Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Happy birthday to you. All right, sing it, boy. It's Wes and Walker. Oh, I like that. Okay. Do that again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Happy birthday to you. Is that all right? Mm, okay. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Me and Stevie. Like this. Wesson Walker, one more hour to go. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Of course, that is the fight song of one Appalachian State. Not Appalachian people. Appalachian State. App State, if you are a local. And now we can welcome to the Body Works Plus guest hotline, the fourth member of App State, now in the College Football Hall of Fame. Armani Edwards joins us. Armani, congratulations for being inducted in the College Football Hall of Fame, man. How are you? I'm good. How about yourself? And we're doing well, Armani. We really appreciate the time. You know, we were talking about just uh, real quickly in the last segment, out of all of the things that you've accomplished, and you've accomplished a lot, right? Like, we were just going over some of the accolades, pretty ridiculous. Four-time, first-team All-American at the FCS level. People are writing in on the text line that you even had a couple of Grey Cups. Here you are also, you know, being drafted into the NFL. Where does this induction into the College Football Hall of Fame rank for you among some of your best accomplishments? Um, it ha- it has to be last. Um, the reason I say that because without all everything else, you know, um, the the guys that I played with, everything um, we were able to accomplish in school. Um, obviously, the personal stats, then this wouldn't even be a consideration. So this is pretty much just like having the uh, the icing on the cake. Yeah, it's pretty good icing, though. I'll say that. It's like cream <laughs> cheese icing, if you ask me, as far as what the best icing is on the cake. What I would also say, too, what, what is up there, then, Armani? Like, with all of you, with what you accomplished, you talked about it a little bit. And I know you had this interview with Scott Fowler of the Charlotte Observer. You talk about the game against Michigan. I think we just celebrated the 16-year anniversary of the upset against Michigan. Is that the one you point to, or is it the couple of championships that you won since you're so team-based? Um, yeah, I've, I've always been team-based. Um, so definitely my um, the first national title I was a part of in 2006. Then the second one, uh, those are one and two. Um, reason being, I, I've never been a part of a championship team until I got to Appalachian State. So that was my first championship in any sport, being the, the last team standing. Then to do something that was unheard of at that time, um, if I can – recall correctly no um college football d1 program had gone through in a row uh up until that point so the odds were stacked up against us and we proved everybody wrong so those are definitely one and two um up there for me 
Well, and Armani, I want to go back to your first year starting at QB for the Mountaineers because they had already won a championship. Jerry Moore had already gotten that done. Richie Williams being the starting QB, making sure you got that first title. And then, of course, you come on board and win the next two. What was it like for you taking over that spot for a team that did have a lot of expectations, but also, you know, so many people will talk about being the guy that replaces the the, the guy that replaces the legend, right? But here you are taking over for Richie Williams, having won a title. How much pressure was on your shoulders? And did you allow that to sway your confidence at all? <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I had zero pressure. Um, I was a little naive at that point in time. <laughs> um, you know, I, I understood that they just won a title, but, you know, at, at this time we don't have social media is not big, so I don't have anything to – uh, to be looking at where people are saying, you know, any type of negative things or or stuff like that. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be surrounded by guys who have just won the title. Although uh, Richie was the quarterback, he was literally the only one on our offense that had left. So everybody else from last season was still there, including uh, uh, a lot of the guys from the defense. So, my only job really was to, you know, just take care of the ball and and let everything else uh, take care of itself. So that's pretty much uh, all I was going in trying to do. Armani Edwards joins us on the Body Works Plus Guest Hotline. You can follow him on X at Armani underscore Edwards. And Armani, reading an old article about you from South Carolina Prep Nation, said coming out of high school, Greenwood, the Greenwood Eagles you play for, said that you were expecting to change positions when you got to college. Did you ever imagine the success that you would have at that level? And were you surprised that you had to switch positions once you came to the NFL? Um, first part, um, I, I really didn't have big expectations. Um, I, I always went into uh, playing any sport um, just like I did as a child. And as a child, I just grew up playing playing sports, wanting to have fun with my friends. And that's the same mindset that I took into college. Uh, once uh, me and uh, a lot of the guys on the team started bonding off the field, they they became my friends and, and are now still my friends to the, to this day. And that's all I was out there doing um, at Appalachian State was just having fun on the football field with my friends. And second uh, part, I, I did um, start to understand that I had to change my position uh, after my college career was over. And I did train, you know, as a receiver in the offseason, but I also still trained as a quarterback um, as well, so I was kind of doubling up, but, you know, um, yeah, to answer that question, I, I did get a understanding of that going into the offseason. So you were the first two-time Walter Payton Award winner in FCS history, and that's the equivalent of the Heisman Trophy, uh, and so I was wondering, at what point did you know, I'm really dominating at this level and I can do it anywhere? Uh, man, that's a, that's a tough one. I, I didn't necessarily look at it as I was dominating. I, I understood that um, us as a team, we were dominating. Um, you know, after definitely after the Michigan game, but there was no – sense to where I sat there and, and just 
you know, thought about, man, I'm I'm doing such and such because I, I personally, I never looked at my stats when I played. So after a game, I didn't look to see how many passing, rushing yards I had. And a lot of times I have people that would come up and tell me I did such and such. But um, I was so football focused that, you know, by the time Monday came around, I was moving on to the next game. Armani, we know the state of college football and where we're at now with Transfer Portal, NIL, all of those things. We know that you would have been quite the prospect in the Transfer Portal. If you were at App State today doing what you were doing, coming off, let's say, your first Walter Payton Award, would you have given thought to transferring somewhere else, especially with the money flying around, especially with what you would have been offered? Uh, that's that's tough, to, tough to answer. You know, it, it's easy to say what uh, what a 20- or 19-year-old, 20-year-old would have done at, at, at my age right now. But I would like to believe that I would have I would have stayed. Uh, knowing me, I'm, I'm a guy, once I, I create bonds, I don't like to just up and leave uh, things. So, again, um, I, I, I have friends that I consider my brothers to this day. They were even uh, in my wedding and at my wedding. So, Having that off the field, that meant, meant way more to me than, you know, a price tag. So, obviously, with the NIL deal, I'm pretty sure, you know, Appalachian State is in position to, to offer kids um, a, a nice chunk of change as well. Maybe not at the top tier, but, you know, a 19, 20-year-old making, you know, at least 40, 50 grand for the year, that's, that's a lot more than what the average person is making you know, in the United States. So you, uh, having that alone, can't, uh, for me, it, it's not about money. So I wanted, I, I like to say I would have stayed at Appalachian State. I believe him, Walt. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Although, <laughs> although uh, even for Charlotte, I would have tried to donate even some of my own money to go get Armani <laughs> and then start playing for Charlotte if he played in this day and yeah, age. Yeah, but yeah. I, I don't think that's the kind of move he'd be making. It's Armani Edwards, College Football Hall of Famer, um, just recently inducted, and of course, App State quarterback legend joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You know, Armani, you talked with Scott Fowler on that Charlotte Observer article that I was just referencing, and you discussed that position change going from quarterback at App State to wide receiver with the Carolina Panthers. Do you think if you were drafted within the last five, maybe even the last 10 years or so, you would have stayed at QB with the way that the NFL is playing now? Definitely. Um, I, I 100% believe that I would have been given a shot to be um, quarterback. You know, Whether or not I would have succeeded, I, I definitely believe I would have at least gotten the opportunity. Well, and even back then, right, so you're playing with the Carolina Panthers for a while, and they had to go through a quarterback change. Eventually, they draft Cam Newton number one overall. How frustrated were you that you weren't getting an option to go play at QB when they were trying to figure out who the franchise QB was going to be? Um, I wasn't more. I wasn't as frustrated that I wasn't playing quarterback because uh, before they even drafted me, I already knew um, my role was going to be as a return specialist, and then uh, worked my way up to playing receiver. So it wasn't like I was told I would get a shot at quarterback, and it didn't happen. So I wasn't frustrated um, at, from that point, point of view. Armani, what are your thoughts on, on App State and where the program is right now? Uh, they finished their season this year 9-5, uh, and five, got to a Sun Belt. Uh, conference championship game. What do you think is the state of the App State program? Um, 
they, I, I think um, from the beginning of the season to the end, it definitely um, trended in the right direction. I think uh, with all the, the transfer portal and everything and social media, it, it's making it tougher, you know, when you have a, a story program that's used to winning, you know, 10, 11, 12 games a year to now they only won nine, which in a lot of school programs, that's a great season. But for App, you know, it's more of a mediocre season for them. And I just think uh, with with all this transfer portal and social media wanting everything to happen now, if you if you just sit back in and give it give it time, I think the program would continue to go in, in the right direction. Armani, I got to ask you, you sound like a guy that's really chill and, and just kind of go with the flow. What did you do when you got the news of making the College Football Hall of Fame, or what will you do to celebrate that accomplishment? Um, it, was, it was a little surprise for me because um, I, I did understand that my, my name was in the ballot uh, last year, and then I completely forgot about it. So, But uh, my wife uh, found out a day before, and her and her and the kids did a great job of keeping it a secret. So they pretty much surprised me with uh, with the football that I received uh, for that uh, a couple of hours before it was announced to everybody else. So it was a uh, it was a pretty exciting moment, um, simply because I I forgot about it. Uh, didn't think any more <laughs> much about it um, since um, my name was on the ballot from last season. But it was a, a exciting moment for for us as a family well and armani look i mean we're celebrating the hell out of it like you're here you are forgetting it we all loved it and, yeah. and like and i understand there's a lot of accomplishments here here's what i want to ask you though like what's your relationship with football now because I, I i know reading the article again you talked about your ending with carolina the panthers organization you called it the darkest time in your football career. And now with the college football hall of fame induction, you value the relationships that you built more so than even, it seems like your own accomplishments. And so I just want to know what your relationship with the sport is right now. I, I love football. Um, my son obviously wants to play. So I'm, I'm, I'm helping him, teaching him just little bits and nuggets to take with his, him. Once he uh, get back into flat football this upcoming season, um, I, I watch it. Uh, I've watched um, almost all the CFL games. I watch um, a lot of NFL games. I, I watch college football. I've, I've kept up with it um, this year. I even went to um, my my high school. I, I was able to make a high school football game for the first time in in a very long time. So I, I don't have any you know animosity towards it. Obviously, this this game has brought me a lot of a lot of joy, ups and downs, and a lot of accomplishments that nobody can take from me. So, you know, I, I have nothing against football. I love it. Well, and last question for me here, Armani. You know, you, you did talk about the ending of the career with the Carolina Panthers, and then I believe your your first year in the Canadian Football League was 2016. Your last year with Carolina and Cleveland was that 2013 season. Did it take a while for you to bounce back, or did you had you always thought, yeah, I'm going to get back at some point playing football after the Panthers tenure was done? No, it, it definitely took a while. Um, I was in the Bears training camp for 2014 and didn't make the last cut. And after that, I was pretty much hanging up my cleats. So I was 
I was done with football for a good bit of a little over a year, mm. uh, literally, literally for 2014 and almost the entire season of 2015. I didn't watch a lick of football. Um, so, yeah, I was pretty much done with it um, during that time time frame. Time frame. Armani, last thing that I've got for you is based off your comments on what you think uh, some of the things going on in college football, what's your state of where college football is right now? It's been an interesting um, kind of middle ground for me right now. Um, I, I like the idea that that um, Kids are now able to take control of their college careers and destiny. Um, I do think, you know, it still needs to be some some kind of rules tied down into it. Um, specifically speaking, you know, with some of these uh, some of these bowl games wasn't just up to par simply because you know pretty much half the starters are not playing now because they either transferring or entering the draft and don't want to play. So I I do feel that some of that needs to change to where we still get see a good product um, on the field. But I like the way it's trending definitely when it comes to monetary. And obviously that needs to um, have some, some changes and upgrades to it as well. But, you know, um, most people don't realize that being a, a student athlete, we we don't get to go out there and get a job to to work and, and provide for ourselves. So having that monetary um, option now that that is very great. But I do think part of this transfer uh, portal thing needs to have some kind of changes so we can just get you know the best of the best out there for these bowl games and not just for the the championship games. College Football Hall of Famer, ladies and gentlemen, Armani Edwards just recently inducted, of course, App State legend, App State, App State multiple-time championship winner, joining us here on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Armani, thank you so much uh, for joining us here on Wesson Walker. Congratulations once again, and can't wait to talk to you down the road. All right, thank you. Armani Edwards will put that interview on our website. Great interview. I did want to tell him to Armani. You guys are not the real black and gold. I did want to end it with that. Well, you know, you can do it after he hangs up. He's done. He hung up, and so now you can call. Now you can say Wake is the real black and gold. Real quick. No, hell no. We got to stop. I don't know how about. Who is the real Wes Bryant? We got to go to break. We got some breaking news to speak of. Uh-oh. Adam Schefter, he dropped a big one on us here. A shocker in Seattle. Oh! Pete Carroll expected to be out as the Seahawks head coach. Wow. He still could remain in the organization, but not as the head coach. Does that mean anything for Carolina? Could we possibly get him to come on over here for Carolina? Do you want him to coach the Damn, Panthers? We want all the retreads, huh? Yeah, we got at least have a conversation. I guess he got tired of my 49ers beating the hell out of him. More West Trash Talk coming up next. Sports Radio 92.7 <laughs> WFNZ. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Going back to Cali, we are right here in North Carolina. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I'm sorry, that's just one of those beats that just gives you a jolt of energy as soon as it drops. It's funky. Gotta love it. R.I.P. Uh, Big. So before we left the fine folks listening to this show, and we thank you for it, keep the text coming. 704-570-9610. I hope you guys enjoyed that Armani Edwards interview. I thought it was really great, but we got a big piece of news before we went to break, and that is Pete Carroll will not be retained by the Seahawks. That's right. Uh, well, he's not going to be the head coach next year, but he could be with Seattle just in a different position. So maybe just to cross sports here, maybe you have some type of Brad Stevens move where Brad Stevens is no longer the coach of the Boston Celtics, but moves into a front office role the very next season. We're actually getting a report from Ian Rappaport now saying Dan Quinn would quickly be considered a strong candidate to replace Pete Carroll, who now exits at head coach. So it looks like they're bringing the family back together there, Wes. If you bring in Pete Carroll, except not as a head coach, but as a front office member, you move him to a different position, but he's still involved. You go get Dan Quinn, who was the defensive coordinator, the Legion of Boom era, before he leaves for the Atlanta Falcons and then becomes defensive coordinator for Dallas. Now you just bring Dan Quinn, who is going to be sought after. I don't know how highly, but he'll be sought after as a head coach candidate. But if Seattle has a vacancy now and they just want to bring in a guy that is familiar with the organization, maybe even Scott Fitterer comes back on home too. Okay. Maybe, maybe they just bring everybody from the Legion of Boom era back to Seattle. But Dan Quinn could be the head coach. Pete Carroll still expected to be with the organization, just in a different role. Yeah. And so talking about the NFL head coaching vacancies, and I thought an interesting point to bring up is that uh, this season in the playoffs, all four full-time black head coaches in the NFL, D'Amico Ryans, Mike Tomlin, Todd Bowles, and Mike McDaniel, all are in the playoffs. Now, Mike McDaniel identifies as a minority. He doesn't necessarily identify himself uh, as black. But uh, I just thought that was interesting because we have candidates that are available. We know what happened with Steve Wilkes here. And there are a contingent of people of all colors who feel like that Steve Wilkes was done wrong, whether it be because he's an African-American head coach or whatever the case may be. And so I just wondered in the Panthers head coaching search, not to say that uh, color affects the coaching, but we know how hard these positions are to come by for African-American candidates. And from this crop that they have this year, they've done the most with that. And so when you look at the Eric Bienemies of the world, and then you go and look at uh, Ejero Evero, but he's getting blocked by the Panthers. Uh, then you go look at the coordinator rankings list uh, for the coaches that were ranked as far as their favorites to play for, according to the NFL Players Association. There's Aaron Glenn sitting atop of the top five defensive coordinators. Steve Wilkes as well, Brian Flores, Raheem Morris, Thomas Brown uh, is in the offensive coordinator category. And we know that they put in the Rooney rule to force teams to be able to take 
I guess a hard look would be uh, to put it very, I guess, uh, I don't even know which, what word I'm looking for here, but I don't think that a lot of these teams do bring in these candidates with serious consideration. Uh, but that's to say that do we think that Carolina uh, would be a team that an African-American head coach is on their radar and would get a fair shot to get this job, especially, dare I say, shot in the dark here, would they even consider Steve Wilkes for this position being what he's done in San Francisco. All right. I don't I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think I that they, with you. they wouldn't consider Steve Wilkes. I don't know if Steve Wilkes would consider it. So many people are saying Steve Wilkes would say hell no back to Carolina because of the way that he was done in the interim role and then ousted for not only, by the way, just Frank Reich, but remember some of the reports out there were that Kellen Moore was the second person on David Tepper's wish list if he wasn't going to get Frank Reich. And so now Steve Wilkes, not only does he go 500 with a football team that was not his, but he's not even the first option. He's not even the second option. And then he moves on to San Francisco. It, maybe he wouldn't even want this job back, but enough money coming back home. Maybe he would be able to mend fences, but I think it would be pretty hard. If you're asking if there's another African-American head coaching candidate that might make sense, Ajero Vera is going to be the guy that you consider. If you look at the candidates that have been requested by the Carolina Panthers to interview, only Raheem Morris shows up. So it's a Jero Vera who we know is going to have a shot at this. Mm -hmm. There's also Raheem Morris, who is the Rams defensive coordinator, was a head coach previously. I think he's been an interim before as well. But those are the only two black head coaching candidates that we've seen Carolina either request or we know is they're going to interview because of Vera. We know that. And so that's the unfortunate part about this, Wes. Like when we talk about hiring an offensive mind, you don't see many black minds there. Like you don't see many offensive minds, I should say, that are black coaches. And that's pro that's a problem within itself. It's considered the cerebral approach. And then so when you go with the D'Amico Ryans or you go with some uh, a, a different minority candidate, they're often on the defensive side. And those guys can work, too. But also, hey, that's because they're really smart. Like, you can also figure out D'Amico Ryans comes in, and yeah, Bobby Slowick gets a lot of credit. I really hope people are paying attention to what D'Amico Ryans did with the Texans' defense. No question. That also wasn't very good. I have I have started to lean more towards the offensive hire because the offensive guys stay more often than not, and I want stability badly with my number one overall QB in Bryce Young. But I just don't know if you're going to bring in Avero as the head coach or Raheem Morris as the head coach. Everybody else they've requested an interview with is not uh, a black coach candidate. Like, I just don't know if that's going to be this go around once more for David Tepper. And so often we don't see these guys get the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, because I put a lot of stock in the NFL players list because I think that, as I said, I'm all for great work environments and liking to go play for who you are playing for. And so some of these coaches, I think that that should factor into this thing with the players voting and say, hey, we love playing for this guy. This is a great candidate. And that was the reason why I broached the Steve Wilkes deal, because we see him going to the 49ers. He's represented as the second most popular defensive coordinator amongst players uh, in this voting tally. And so we know what was done here in Carolina. And so I was thinking that maybe with what he did here, how much the players loved and respected him here, 
if he goes to the 49ers, getting that same type of love and respect, would that maybe put a little bit of extra on it to maybe even just consider it just a little bit? Uh, Final thing, just some house cleaning. People are writing in on the text line, correcting me on this, but the team actually did request permission to interview Eagles offensive coordinator Brian Johnson, who would also qualify as a minority candidate. And not only would the Rooney Rule abide, this abide by the Rooney Rule, but also Brian Johnson is somebody that I imagine would get a lot of interest. Now, here's the problem with Brian Johnson. What's unfortunate for him is that the Philadelphia Eagles have been falling off of a cliff yes. the last really all year. It was tough to get on board because of all the close wins that they had. I believe they have the second worst point differential for any postseason team. And the only team worse than them, it's Pittsburgh, if I'm not mistaken. But the offense has started to fall. The defense is even worse than the offense is. And the offense isn't all that great. But Brian Johnson was a name people considered even last year at head coaching circles. So Johnson's getting another interview. But yes, Brian Johnson is also another minority candidate that the Panthers requested permission to interview. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how many coaches get hired this go-round. I think there may be one to two that could end up getting jobs. But we shall see, I mean, as this NFL coaching carousel uh, turns around. And so when we look at this and we were talking about it earlier and we talked about the pettiness of would the Panthers try and get uh, a coach that maybe Atlanta had their sights set on, but what would it feel like for this fan base if the Falcons ended up getting Ben Johnson? How much would that hurt uh, this fan base if you were able, if the Falcons were able to do that? So I think it would hurt the fan base, but I'm also more interested in a different question, not how much it would affect the fan base. I would love to know what David Tepper would feel if the Falcons got Mm. Ben Johnson. Is David Tepper just seething at his office with the news coming across, Adam Schefter dropping the report that the Falcons are are hiring Ben Johnson, and then maybe even some stuff behind the scenes is told as well. Ben Johnson also considered Carolina, but ultimately decided the Falcons was the better opportunity for him. If that headline existed, is David Tepper just, does his head just explode? A division foe? Oh, yeah. Somebody no else question. getting his top priority? He'd probably throw a drink on somebody. He probably would throw a drink on somebody. <laughs> <laughs> that probably wouldn't mm. happen. So the, the fan base, yeah, you want the top priority, and maybe he's your top guy, maybe he's not. I don't know. I just would love to know what David Tepper how he would feel if that's something that ended up happening. All right, and so uh, another interesting factor to this, we know we've talked about before, would Bryce Young be uh, polled, I guess you could say, and we thought that he doesn't have enough cachet yet to be able to chime in on the head coaching search. But I'd like to know, uh, Walker and Fitty, you can chime in too. Which head coach do you think, just based off a hunch that you have of the candidates that they've brought in already or that they're looking at bringing in already, which head coach do you think would make Bryce Young the happiest? I think it's anybody that is an offensive mind that can get him separation out there on the perimeter. No, or I ain't letting you off that easy, big dog. You, you want me name. one candidate? You got to give me a name, man. Well, I mean, it would just be guesswork. Like, okay, he, that's, he, that's the point. It's so, guess. So Speculate. Dave Canales worked with a small QB with Baker Mayfield. Okay. Did not work. I like that. So that's, the, that's one thing you could go with. I like that. I think Dave Canales also working with an offensive line where they ran it a lot. Mm-hmm. They stuck with it despite it not being effective at the beginning, but they kept with the run game and then it ended up being passable as an effective rushing attack as the season went on. Dave Canales is somebody that I might bring to the table. Ben Johnson, we've only seen a couple of years as a play caller as somebody that is top the priority list, but Ben Johnson would be another guy I think he would like to work with. Bobby Slowick working with a rookie attacking the middle of the field is something they do a lot. 
I think that would be something that Bryce Young would like to work with. So those would be it. If you're asking me to dwindle it down to one guy, I don't know. I mean, maybe yeah, it's like slow. what Canales. Yeah, I mean, but maybe it's slow just because he worked with the rookie QB and he was so effective immediately upon stepping onto well, an NFL again, field. Again, I go back to the pettiness of the Bobby Slowick uh, factor that Bryce Young, I'm sure, would love to have the guy that has his boy, C.J. Stroud, uh, balling out of control in the MVP discussion. He won't win it, but in the discussion. But also a nice little tidbit about Bobby Slowick is that he began as a defensive assistant under Mike Shanahan in Washington. And so I like that. He spent two years with PFF, then came back with Kyle Shanahan of the 49ers, and then moved to the offensive side of the ball. That's not something you see often in coaching, when you take a guy who starts defensively and then switches to the offensive side. And so what I like about that is an intricate knowledge of defenses and how they work. I like that because I think that helps him design his scheme to be able to really attack defense. And I think that kind of plays into uh, and I'm not sure a thousand percent about this, but I think that plays into the factor of him being able to be so potent with all of the offensive line uh, changes that he had and with the receivers that he'd had that up to that point hadn't really been quite serviceable, even though Tank Dell was a rookie. And so I like that a lot, too. I like a guy that has a knowledge of defensive coaches and how they think. And I know football is football, and, and, and offensive coaches know this as well, but a guy that's worked intimately on the defensive side of the ball to know what defense's objectives are, where they want to attack, different things like that. I think that makes him all the better uh, of a coordinator. So Slowick would be my guy uh, for the petty reasons and for the tangible ones. What say you, Josh? I think I'll go with Ben Johnson just because Ben Johnson has experience restoring a quarterback's faith and confidence in himself. Okay. And Jared Goff. And there's no denying that Bryce Young, by the, the end of the season, his spirit was broken. I mean, listening to that man, you know, speak to the media after the after Sundays and Wednesdays, it was like he was at a funeral because he had no answers and he was just he was just lifeless. Um, and, and you look at the way Ben Johnson has just put Jared Goff in a situation to be successful. Everything he does supports him and him and the quarterback. And that wasn't the case with Frank Reich and Thomas Brown this year. And um, I feel like, you know, you got to get him the weapons that Jared Goff has. But, you know, I do feel like he would just be in a situation where he'd be uplifted as much as any other coach would uplift him off the field. I think Ben Johnson is mad creative. And I think that is, we've seen him with a bunch of different games now that we've seen him call plays for, right? You look back the last two seasons each year that offense has delivered they're like what top five they're single digits ranked right whether it be rushing attack or passing attack it's actually pretty ridiculous what they've done but you mentioned the skill positions they have and Amon Ross St. Brown is one of the best receivers in the league I look at more so the offensive line that has helped Jared Goff because the MO on Jared Goff right now and it's been that for his entire career when he faces pressure the dude is a way worse QB more so than what other QBs experience when they're facing pressure so if the offensive line gives his QB some time, Jared Goff can have the ability to pick you apart downfield. But now if you're working with already a really talented offensive line in Detroit where they've invested there, right? Houston has Laramie Tunsil, one of the best left tackles in the league. But man, they had a bunch of injuries that they're working with. Including him. Exactly. So if Bobby Slowick is the guy that isn't working with as talented an offensive line as Ben Johnson – but yet he's still able to get the most off of what became a really good uh, class of weaponry for Houston, right? Tank Dell, 
Maybe people didn't expect him to be great, but he was. When he was on the field, he was good. And I know you certainly expected that. Mm -hmm. Nico Collins led the league in broken tackles from the wide receiver position. The dude turns into a running back immediately upon catching the football. So that's going to help C.J. Stroud, too. That stuff helps. But also with C.J. Stroud attacking deep, Slowick setting up some of those deep ball throws when the offensive line also doesn't have a lot of talent on it. And, and, I not, think, a, and not a running game to really work the play-action game either. Damian Pierce, massive disappointment. Like People loved him in some of the preseason games that he played. We know what Singletary is, a nice change of pace back, but not a workhorse. Yeah, man, I think that's why a lot of people like what Sloak was able to do in Houston. All right, well, when we come back, we're going to tell you what we're watching tonight, and we're going to close this thing down on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. question for the text line. Stanford P called me on something. Well, no, it's not the not the Okay, okay. Yeah, it's Jones, not the break right. talk. No, no, because oh, Pitty's mad. He's not. He's. I mean, frankly, he's just not that dumb. You talking to me or are you talking about the stupid comparison you brought up during the break? <laughs> My comparison was <laughs> the most accurate comparison ever breathed on the show. All right, well, well let's get to Walker's breathed, point first so before we that set it off. Answers if the we do. argument for me. Uh, Stanford P asked, why does Walker say Detroit so weird. He puts so much emphasis on the D. <laughs> Do I say Detroit weird? Are you no, a Detroit? I didn't think so. Stanford P, I just need to know because I'll put emphasis on weird. Because I didn't hear Detroit when you said it. Yeah, I mean, I say Detroit. Okay, yeah. but Is that weird? Fine. No. I just want to bring that to the people because I will put weird emphasis on syllables every now and then. Mm. The only time you I can remember Taste you doing hill. it is when you did this. Do you want D's nuts? Like, there's a little more emphasis on the D's. You just wanted to play something. Right. No, I mean, it was a great example because when I saw the text from P, I was like, he doesn't say Detroit weird. But I do say, I did say Taysom Hill instead of Taysom Hill. Well, you just said it incorrectly. Like, you wasn't putting more emphasis. Like, you just mispronounced his well, name. Well, I'm going emphasis on the Psalm. That's what I'm rolling with. And so now I just want to know if other people just go Detroit. Is it D U H Detroit? Detroit? I come to twat. All right, moving on. I, I would I would make the T silent on yeah. the last one. Yeah. yeah, that was a little bad. I mean, did you want to? We, we can bring up this convo. Like, we were talking about what's the report, right? Because LaMelo Ball. That LaMelo guys, Ball will not be traded. And this is from what? From Woj. Woj Bomb. 
Okay, I can try to get more details on this. But Woj tweeted out, apparently, that LaMelo Ball is not going to be traded. We know that he's in his last stage of the rehabilitation process. And so we'll see when LaMelo comes back. But he isn't back yet. Then we started this conversation about load management. And Fiddy was saying how load management is like one of the worst things that sports has going for it. To which you don't entirely disagree. I do not. But then, in order to, you know... In order to fight load management, <laughs> dude, I'm ready. In order, in, 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 or, in, in order, in order to <laughs> try to go with an example of somebody that never load managed, he went to Michael Jordan and he brought up specifically. It would be different if he brought up Michael Jordan just in principle, right? Yeah. But he brought up Michael Jordan and his six title. You said six year title run, which yeah. is not true. It was actually an eight year six title run because he took that break in the middle and. His biggest argument, the the only point that he keeps making, Wes, mm-hmm. now it's with a redder face, it's with more anger, it's with louder volume, but he doesn't bring anything else under the table other than louder volume saying, he retired! That's right. not load management! Like, that wasn't a break in order to help him win championships. It wasn't. So you think he retired to win more championships? You think he quit playing basketball to go play baseball, add 45 pounds to his body to become a better basketball oh, player? Oh, we know why he retired. <laughs> You've been talking to Mr. Conspiracy over here. We know why he retired. I mean, you know. Uh, we know why. I'm just saying. Hey, Michael Jordan, yeah, you keep asking, like saying he put That's on 45. That's not load management, man. When you look at this, okay, you look at his six NBA championship seasons. I believe he missed like a combined six games. If you look at the history of his career, outside of when he broke his foot, did the guy just take nights off like LeBron, Kyrie, Luka, uh, Kawhi. That's correct. He did not. Like hey, no, and so that's all I was saying just, was that he just missed you know, two the years guy because he retired. Because he was playing a different freaking sport. Do you think that uh, uh, exactly? Yeah, like so. It's not load management. Do you think MJ would have had to uh, would have gotten in trouble if prize picks was around in his day? That's a really sensitive topic, Wes. <laughs> um, and I feel like you only feel this strongly about Kings. it because he's because you're a Carolina hater. Well, DraftKings or something like that. Like, like, like if Jordan would have starred at like Maryland and. Had the all issues off the Listen, the issues off the court. I've don't in, don't don't think you'd really care. I've invested thousands of dollars in the man's shoe. I mean, not high thousands. Let's not get it twisted here. But uh, I'd say I've had enough Jordans in my lifetime to equal a couple of thousand. And that's in my lifetime. So, you know, I do uh, enjoy the play in the shoes. But I'm just saying, we know why. I'm just asking if if Michael Jordan <laughs> just was you know didn't retire but played the same amount of basketball games, which was 17. In that two-year run, and then the postseason, which he got bounced by the Orlando Magic. By the way, I just want to bring that up. It, if we're talking about that, would if he played or just sat on the bench and didn't play, would that be different than him retiring? Yes, because that'd be yeah. literally load management. Like he'd be he'd be missing games. Right, he, but what would you tell the fans? What would you tell the fans sitting Lamelo pre All Star break and through the All Star break, and he is plenty healthy and just sitting over there hanging out while they get their heads beat in? I mean, they're gonna get their heads beat in if he's on the court, Wes. Right, but still. You know, you're paying the guy to play basketball. Yeah, I, I know. Like, dude, you're you're eight and twenty six. Let's go ahead and call. You're gonna be eight and twenty seven after tonight. What's the point in risking? Like, if he's not willing to put on an ankle brace, 
and protect his ankles. I would not play him. That's like walking out just sitting out for the rest of the year and collecting um, sick days or vacation, whatever hey, the case hey, may be. Feel took, free, baby. Plenty healthy. I took I took one day off. <laughs> I took one day off. I'm a little dizzy, to be honest with you, as we end today. I got a Queens broadcast tonight, but I'm still battling. I'm not going to retire like Michael Jordan did. No, I'm going to stick around and grind in a way that MJ didn't in that two-year title run oh that allowed God. the Rockets to win those championships because he needed a break. But I only took a one-day break. You could say, lo- honestly, you could say load managing is better than what Michael Jordan did by retiring for a couple of years before he went back at it. Oh, yeah. And then he retired again and then came back and played for the Washington Wizards. I'd argue load management is better. Who missed more games, load managing LeBron or retired Michael Jordan? Answer me that question. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I just want to see. Not to, pin, not to, to mention Jordan melt. was playing against players that were smoking cigarettes at halftime. It's true. I just want to see Fitty melt. Which is what's happening right now. It's. You want to talk about what we're watching tonight? I'm with that. Okay. What are we watching here? <laughs> Wes, what, what North Carolina NC State take do you have for us before we end today's show? Oh, man. This is going to be a good game. But I trust the Tar Heels to go on the road and get another road victory. I think that uh, Carolina is on one. I think they have the confidence. They're taking their lumps the last couple of seasons. And I think they're looking at each opportunity now as an opportunity to prove that they're one of the best teams in the country. I expect them to do that tonight, go in the state, and get a big victory. What do you think we'll be reading on Heel Tough blog and listening to on the Four Corners podcast after this game, Fitty. You can ask Flounder because I'm going to spend my night watching LeBron James load management highlights. Now, I'm hoping NC State wins. Let me say that. You know, I'd love to be mm-hmm. wrong here, but I think that uh, the Tar Heels get the job done. All right. I tried to plug his site and he gave us a bad joke, so we'll move on. I think North Carolina continues to cement themselves as the top of the ACC. NC State getting some love here. Randolph Childress said that he likes what NC State is doing, yeah. and I think this is about the best record you could ask for coming into this North Carolina game. Yeah. We've talked about that a couple times. Last rapid fire real quickly. Clemson, Virginia Tech, who you got? What do you want? I think Clemson gets off the snide. I do, too. I think the Tigers end up winning that game. And you had a Canes update you wanted to give the people. Uh, Canes gang, five out of six at home versus Anaheim and Walker. How can you skip your 49ers? They got Tulsa tonight. Are they going to have a letdown after the emotional win over Tulsa? Nope. We're back on track. Aaron Ferns got this team rolling. Give me the Charlotte 49ers winning against Tulsa. That'll do it for Wes and Walker. Keep it right here for the Kyle Bailey Show, of course, alongside Smoke Ludwig. This is Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. But he's going to retire.